He is so amazing. We're so glad you could be with us today. I believe God is going to speak to us and speak to our hearts and make it the prayer of your heart each day that his glory fill this, this place. We get so worried about the things around us, but we need him to fill us. Come on. How many of you need that unending grace? He's amazing. I don't know about you, but I need mercy and grace every single day of my life. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your spirit meeting us in this place. Your word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and there is freedom. Open our minds that we would understand. Open our ears that we would hear. Open our hearts that we would believe and receive the word that you have for us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. just want to share a couple things with you uh, before we receive the Lord's tithe and offering. Um, in November, we are, like, we've already started our clothing drive. We're partnering with Cup of Love um, with their big outreach to the homeless. So we're already gathering clothes and we're gathering um, items gently used so we can be a blessing and be the hands and feet of Jesus in this city. Can we say amen? amen. So important to do that. And the other thing, I want to talk to our church family uh, just for a minute. If you're new with us, um, our church knows that I um, have made a promise to them. Um, that I will only address this issue once a year. And, and honestly, they, anybody in here can tell you I've kept my word with this. You don't hear long, drawn-out, 20-minute offerings um, in our church. Um, I, I told them, if you go through next steps, I said, I'm going to talk about it once a year. And I'm going to ask our church to, once a year, go above their tithe um, and their offering and our Heart for the House um, offering. So we're going to be receiving that um, on December 8th this year. We want to give you time to prepare uh, for that. I'm not sure what's going on with that slide, but um, I can explain it. I remember it anyway from there we go. Um, we're receiving our one time offering above our tithe and our offering um, on December 8th that Sunday. Our goal is $35,000 and we're going to use that to continue our outreach and our missions both locally and in church planting um, and internationally. Um, and we're going to do some upgrades in our kids' ministry and just um, our signage and different things that we need to upgrade. But majority of that will be used uh, for the purpose of outreach and continuing to um, impact this city, this school. I don't know if you know how much we bless this school on a regular basis. We have some people here who actually serve on a regular basis whenever we're doing that. Just this week, you blessed 50 students with dinner who weren't going to have dinner <laughs> um, this week. And um, so I had an opportunity to share with them, and we fed them. Um, we feed the teachers multiple, multiple times and just different things that we're doing to help them and be a support um, here on campus. So we want you to just, and all we ask you to do is just ask God what, you, what he'd have you do. Um, this is what I do. I say, God, what do you want me to do? And then I listen. Um, I don't fight with him. I just do with it. How many of you, how many of you are a part of Life City Church right now? You, you believe in this church. You believe in the vision and the mission of the church. Um, how many of you will be honest and say, Pastor has kept his word on this? He doesn't talk about it all the time. He talks about it just like this. I said, every October, I'm going to say it. After that, you won't hear anything from me about it. Have I kept my word? Yes. Amen. Let's get into the word of God today. Actually, let's pray over your tithe and your offering. <laughs> we won't forget that. Um, if you came prepared to give and you have an envelope, just grab it in your hand. If you give via electronic website, device, just get your phone. We're going to speak over it real quick. Uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to give. Lord, we thank you for the promises in your word that promise that you will pour out the blessing, that there won't be room enough uh, to take it in. And Lord, we thank you for the victory. We thank you for allowing us to stand up under an open heaven 
keeping us in our season, keeping our families and our homes protected. In Jesus' mighty name, let everyone that agrees with that shout amen. Amen. Shout amen. amen. Shout amen. Let's get into this word. I'm excited about it today. We're wrapping up Heart for the House uh, today. First week of this series, I talked about priority and how um, God wants us to operate and move in, in, in priority, passion, and purpose. And we'll never be able to accomplish anything for the Lord if we don't walk in those three things, have a purpose for our life, have passion to walk it out, and have the priority, our priorities in order. How many of you know sometimes we can mix our priorities up? Have you ever had the wrong thing first? Yeah, we've all at, at sometimes just... You know, something that shouldn't have been the biggest thing in our mind and our heart became the biggest thing. And and whenever our lives get out of order, then everything else tends to fall apart slowly. But thank God for mercy and grace and allowing us. If you if you if you love God, he'll show you just just put this back where it needs to be. Just put that back where it needs to be. So we talked about priority in the first week and last week um, we talked about something that I'm really passionate about. Um, We talked about. Legacy. And we talked about how God has put us here, not only for us, but actually to be a, a, a trailblazers and a blessing to those who are coming behind us. We hear so much in this world about uh, the generational curses and things that happen, you know, negative things that are passed down through generations. But how many of you know that God has created us to actually walk in generational blessing, to, to, to live Uh, such a life that not only we're blessed, but that our children and our grandchildren coming behind us can live and and walk in the fruit of our blessing. We all stand, watch this, we all stand on somebody else's shoulders. This is important to realize. It is a healthy dose of humility for us. None of us got here because of us. Um, We're here standing, you but Pastor, I don't like the way my life is and the way things are going right now, but you're here and you have life and you have breath and you have purpose and you didn't get there on your own. You're standing on somebody else's shoulder. So we want to be a community of people that actually lives in such a way that the light doesn't just go beyond us. And our main point was this. We want to live for a purpose that will outlive us. But today, I want to talk about firm foundation. I want to talk from this, this thought, firm foundation. Um, and here's what the scripture says in, in Psalm, I believe it's Psalm 90, uh, 92, 13 through 14. I want you to really get this. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green. How many of you know no matter how old or young and you are, God has, he wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to flourish and he wants you to progress. God, it's, it's actually okay to say amen. I, I, I was told last week that I need to give you permission to say amen because some people don't know. In this church, it's all right to say a little bit. Just let me know you, you, you hear what I'm saying. But God says when we're planted in his house, that will flourish. So God designed us for a purpose, but that purpose is not going to be out, accomplished fully outside of the community of the believers, outside of the community of his house. He said they'll flourish in the courts of God. They will still yield fruit in old age. And if anybody knows me, I have an affinity for, for seniors. Um, my grandmother was one of the biggest influences in my life. She, she had me five, six years old in church, didn't understand anything. So I'd be sleeping under the pews until the preaching started. And, and, and then when they had evening service, before they had evening service, she'd say, Shannon, go up in the, uh, on the platform behind there and just start preaching the empty seat. So I, you know, she really influenced my life. And I just love being around, uh, the older ones that have the wisdom and the understanding that have gone before us. Because if we're not careful, be careful. Some of us think at 25, 30, we know everything. 
But the reality is there's some people who's gone before us that has experienced some things before us, and we'd be wise to listen to the wisdom that they have. Some, sometimes we need to humble ourselves and say, no, we, we haven't been there yet. We haven't walked this way yet, but there's some who've gone before us, and the things that we're worried about, they've seen before. You ever get around somebody older than you, and you, you, you go to them real frantic about something? They'd be like, yeah, don't worry about that. Because they've been there. They've experienced that. So they're st- and they'll still yield fruit in their old age. They're sh- they shall be full of sap and very green. Spurgeon said this. He said, a church that does not exist to reclaim heathenism, to fight evil, destroy error, to put down falsehood, a church, that does, a church that does not exist to take the side of the poor, to denounce injustice, and to hold up righteousness is a church that has no right to be. We have, and, and, and if you've been here the past couple months, you see I've kind of been in this flow, in this vein of your church is not Burger King. You know, and, and what happens now is we, we've made it Burger King, so people think if they, they come in and they go through the drive through church and don't get their own way, they go find someplace else to go. But the reality is, is that when we open our hearts and we open our minds and our ears of the Spirit to what God has to say, if we allow him to, he will change us for eternity. You know, but we've got to get concerned about the things that he, he's concerned about. Too long, church has only been, you know, what come and... Come to church and my relationship will be all right. Come and I'll get the car I want. Come and I'll finally get the house. No, God is more concerned about your heart. He's more concerned about a relationship with him. See, all that stuff, he, he doesn't have a problem blessing you with, but he wants your heart first. He doesn't, say he doesn't, he doesn't have a problem with you having anything. We're not preaching against things, but he wants your heart. He wants to know that if you lose this stuff, you don't lose him. Firm foundation. Firm Foundation. Here's what Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Let me stop there. How many of you know that it's not enough to have hope, but you got to hold on to it? Because you got a world. I don't know if you go through your week and get, you have those days where you feel like every single thing is coming against you. You know, you feel like you have those days that are just wonderful and marvelous. And then you have those other days where every single phone call, you're like, look, if I get another phone call... All right. Thank you. It says, so, but, but you got to hold on to the hope you affirm. You get excited on Sunday, but your joy is gone by Tuesday. Some of us, our joy is gone before we even get home. Because that person sitting next. No, no, I'm not going to do that. Let me stay where I need to be. <laughs> Y'all know, though, man, somebody, they say, they, they say the wrong thing right in the car. And all that Holy Ghost and all that hallelujah. It don't sound like that anymore. If we were in your car, we'd hear beep. <laughs> your, car, your car conversation is getting censored by the Holy Ghost. Then you come in and wave your hand. <laughs> he knows what you said. Let me leave y'all alone. Y'all be like, I'm not coming back to that church. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Man, I'm not here just for me, but I'm actually here to provoke you. And I told our leaders last week, I said, a pastor should do three things. He should love you, he should encourage you, and he should challenge you. Most of us don't have a problem with one and two, but when he starts challenging you, you get on your nerves a little bit. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I take this microphone knowingly trying to provoke somebody. 
I'm trying to provoke you and motivate you to be more for God, to do more for God, to love people better, to be a light, and to look past your present circumstances onto the promise that God has for you. So, yes, I do try to provoke you sometimes. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not, watch this, neglect our meeting together. As some people do. Say, I'm not one them. Let us not neglect the meeting uh, uh, together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is near. So the reason we come in is not to just have a good time and celebrate, but we come together because we don't want to neglect being away from each other. Some of us think, well, I'm just in my, my moment where I just got to be me, and I just has to be me and the Lord. Wait a minute. There's some times where you need some people to speak into your life. There's some times where you need people to remind you, look, it's not the end for you. You can make it another day. You can make it through this sickness. You can make it through this trial. You can make it through this trouble. But you can't do that by yourself. How many know when you're by yourself, the enemy will start lying to you? He'll start, what's this enemy he's talking about? It's that voice in your head that, you know, that one that whispers when you're going through something. This is the end. You're not going to make it. It always turns out this way for you. Go on Facebook. Look how good everybody else's life is. When is yours going to be like that? Oh, I'm the only one that hears that voice? <laughs> okay. so, so we got to come together so that I can tell you they're posting their highlights. They're not telling you the whole story. They didn't post the argument they had 10 minutes ago. That cute family picture. They didn't tell you what it took to get to that smile. How they were up all night arguing back and forth till somebody was humble enough to say, I'm sorry. And so our job when we come together is to say, don't worry about the cliff notes that you see on social media. God has a plan tailor made for you. And you can hallelujah through trouble. You can hallelujah through your test. You can praise through your child and you're going to make it. That's why I want some of these, some of y'all to come to church every Sunday so I can get a chance to just tell you you're going to make it another day. Encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We don't preach about that, do we? Because we're living so much for now that we don't tell you there is a time where Jesus is coming back. And my grandmother used to say, you know, if the Lord don't tarry. <laughs> Took me years to understand what that actually meant. Either I'm leaving way of the grave or I'm leaving way of the rapture, but I want to be ready when he comes. I want my life to count for something. Some of us live to impress people, but I want to challenge you to live to impress God. Watch this. Ephesians 3.10. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church. Let me stop. Because here's what happens. There's been so much foolishness in God's house. What people say is, I don't want any more church. I just want God. And it's well-meaning, but it's wrong. Because the church, and you'll find out later, was God's idea, even though man messed it up. It was still God's idea. Don't let people's foolishness think that they actually represent God. They represent their own foolishness. 
Am I helping anybody in here today? See, some people are like, I don't want anything else to do with church because some fool messed up. You can't say that in church. Lord, forgive me if I offend somebody. But just because one person did you wrong doesn't mean everybody's wrong. Some people's freedom will come when they stop treating everybody in their life like the one person who messed over them. That's just a side note. That was free. God's purpose on all this was to use the church to display what? His wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. The church is intended to display both God's wisdom and his plan. This is why you have a church. See, people are supposed to look at the body of Christ and be amazed, not by you, but by God's wisdom. Because we, we, no, we're not perfect, but we live differently. I know we don't preach about this a lot, but it just means what, when, when I'm part of God's family, when I'm a believer, when I'm part of God's Christ, that means that when society is telling me one thing, I'm still living by faith. It means that when there's a recession in the world, there's not a recession for me. Oh, y'all just missed that. When, when, when they say everybody dies of this sickness, that, you got to remind people that don't apply to me. Because I'm in the kingdom. And I leave when God says I'm going. Man, what, what, you, you know, every now and then, it's not pride, but as a believer, you can't put your chest out a little bit. Because there's certain stuff that just don't apply to you. Th- things that, that, that move everybody else who, 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 who don't claim the name of Christ, they don't have to move you. Now, I got to stop and give you this side note. Because we're flesh and because we're human and we go through some things, there were things that rock us every now and then. People be like, no, I've never had a trial. Keep living. That's what my mom used to say. She said, keep on living and you're going to hit something that you don't know what to do or how to do it with. You ever ever hit a trial and you couldn't, you didn't have any answer. You didn't even know what to pray. And then somebody said, well, just believe God. And you didn't know what to pray. What do God, I'm going through so much. I don't even know what to say to you. That's a great time to worship. When you just say, Lord, I don't even know what to say. I'm just going to lift my hand and say, God, have your way. People will look at you, look at at, at believers, look at somebody who belongs to Christ, and they'll be like, how in the world are they praising in that? It's easy to praise God when everything is going good. Plenty of food in the refrigerator. Nobody, no collection agencies calling you. It's quiet where y'all Y'all know them phone calls that come. Um, May I speak to such and such and so and so? Who wants to know? (laughs) They not here, right? (laughs) But my point is, you can praise him even when it's not going well. You can even say, and it doesn't mean you're smiling all the time, but it just means, you know what? You know what? Even though I'm going through a storm right now, because I'm connected to Jesus, my life is stormproof. Amen. It's not storm-free, but it's storm-proof. That means that the water, I might get wet, but I'm not going to drown. Mm. That helps somebody today. So the church is intended to display both God's wisdom and his plan. Look at what Jesus said. He said this story here says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do, who do people, watch this, say that the Son of Man is? So Jesus said, he talks to his disciples, he's like, hey, um, what they're saying about me. 
Well, they replied, some say you, John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. But then he asked them. See, this is Jesus. I love the way he, he uses the question and answer method to really get to the root of the issue. He's like, all right, now that I know what everybody else is saying, y'all been walking with me all this time. Who do you say <laughs> that I am? Let me tell you something. Everything in your life rests on how you answer this question. Not who did the pastor say Jesus was. Not, do, not who did the person sitting next to you say Jesus, but who do you say he is? Simon Peter, always the first one, got something to say. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. See, he didn't want, even in the midst of this, sometimes we read the Bible too fast. He didn't want Simon to get too high minded. So he said, just in case you, you, you don't understand, you don't understand this because of your own goodness. <laughs> he said, you didn't learn this from any human being. Now I say that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. What rock? The rock that Jesus is the Messiah. Don't ever lose sight of the fact that everything we do when we come together, everything we preach about, everything we sing about, everything we, we, we do with our kids and the kids there, it's all about Jesus. At the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. Jesus, I think Brother Desmond said this one time, and it stuck with me ever since. He said, it's a shame when Jesus is not welcome in his own house. Jesus ought to always be welcome in his own house. And then he ought to always be welcome in his own house. Hmm. Let that sink in for a minute. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Let me tell you why that's significant. The King James says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, gates don't move. Which means that God never designed for his body to be inactive, waiting on Satan to attack him. Sometimes we, he wants us to be proactive in our prayer, in our worship, in our encouragement, in the use of our gifts and talents for the kingdom of God. Um, so that's why he says that the gates of hell won't conquer it. And I will give, watch this, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I want you to repeat that to me. Say if I allow it, God will allow it. That's revelation to somebody right now. I want you to think about your own life. Think about our own life. How many of you know, how many certain things, let's be real, they happen to us not because the devil did it. They happen because we allowed it. How, you, how can you say that, Pastor? Because I have a three-year-old. And she can't do anything I won't allow her to do. Because in my house, under my authority, she can only do what I say to do. Right? And so some of us need to get a revelation of our authority because we're connected to Jesus. And there's some things that you simply don't have to allow. You don't, how many, the beautiful thing about a phone, watch this, is that you can actually hang it up. Some, some of y'all got that immediately. You ever saw somebody call you and they foolishness for minutes, an hour, just talking foolishness? All you can do is you need to help me preach this. Click. 
you can end the conversation. Why, why are you saying this, Pastor? Because when the enemy's whispering to you, you don't have to have the conversation. See, many of us get defeated not because he had so much of this craziness to say, but simply we allowed him to continue the conversation. The Bible says that the enemy is a liar and the father of lies. What that means is that nothing that proceeds from his mouth is true. When you know somebody is a liar, why do you keep on listening to them? You, everybody has that person in their life. Somebody might be a family member. But everybody has that person in their life. They're like, man, you, they always lie. <laughs> Y'all know it's true, too. Y'all don't want something. you quiet. Like, I don't want them to know it's my family member. Somebody's like, I hope it's not me. But seriously, you, you all know that person, and so you just sit there, and they're talking, and you're like, but you know in your mind, nothing, it's not true. You're not getting your money back when they get their taxes. <laughs> I'm going to pay you when I get my taxes. Y'all laugh at this church? Bible says the laughter does good like medicine, right? <laughs> laughter is healing, man. It's, it's, it's okay to laugh. You're like, man, they, that's not real spiritual. Man, sometimes laughing is the most spiritual thing you can do. How many of you know? Sometimes I had to laugh so I wouldn't cry. Amen. You haven't been there? You're sitting there, you're looking around at all the stuff that the enemy's trying to do. And after a while, you just had to find something to laugh about. So you then fall apart. People come in to church every Sunday, shake your hand, hug you, but inside they're broken. Trying to figure out how they're going to make it another day. How, how, how are they going to deal with the warfare going on in their mind? And sometimes there's always that one person in the group that say something silly that can make you laugh no matter what. And now you got me mad because I'm laughing when I want to cry. Talk about confused. No. <laughs> anyway, let's preach. Let's finish. The church is God's idea, and he will make sure it's victorious. He will make sure it's victorious. Say, I'm part of that. The church is supposed to enforce and reflect the desires of heaven on earth. This is why, and don't confuse what this word means, because it's gotten a bad rap over the years. But this is why you have to be blessed. This is why I'm preaching that you have to be blessed, because we have to enforce what heaven has already designed for us here on this earth. And it's not, it's not all somebody, anytime you hear that word blessing, oh, you talking about money. I'm not talking about that. Sometimes blessing is just having a peace of mind in the midst of the storm. You ever, you, you ever been in a room and every single person is talking negative and you're sitting there like, man, I got peace, even though they, I don't know what they're going through, but I, I got peace. And I'm like, man, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind and stayed on him. So why, why am I in the crowd ignoring you? Because my mind is not on you right now. It's on him so I can keep my peace. Say anything that costs me, my peace is too expensive. People get mad at you when you don't let them disturb your peace. They'll be like, oh, you know what they'll say? Oh, you're changing now. Oh, I'm not changing. I'm just not going to let you drive me crazy. 
have me worrying about stuff I don't need to worry about. There are some people in your life that have you worrying about everything. You know. <laughs> I know Florida's a hurricane state. And some of y'all, man, y'all, y'all, every two minutes, y'all tracking the storms. And you get mad. My, my, my wife, is she in here? No, okay. And what was that last storm that came through here? I don't know, Dorian, Dorian. Took 20 years to come through here. But every two minutes, oh, it looked like it moved this way. It moved that, and I'm sitting like, and when it comes, it'll come. We just, when the storm comes, watch this. God didn't call us to focus on the storm. He called us to be ready. So my focus is not on what it's doing. My focus is on being ready when it comes through. Because when, you, when you're ready, you can have peace. Sometimes you got to be ready for people to do you wrong. You got to accept that sometimes people are going to talk about you, criticize you, and, and, and accuse you falsely. And you got to be able to maintain your peace and watch this, still love them. Amen. You ever had to love somebody you knew was, was scheming behind your back? Amen. What does that have to do with this? I'm just trying to help people. I'm just trying to help you. Because when you have a relationship with God, when you're part of a family, it doesn't matter what people do to you. I mean, with flesh, we get our feelings hurt, but even in this, I, I don't worry about, I try to, 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 to speak and, and, and teach and preach in a way that I don't offend people, but I can't worry about whether you're offended or not. I just got to say what God says in his word and hope it lands in our heart where it needs to land so we can be changed for eternity. So God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by me. Y'all not reading. By Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Christ is the centerpiece of the church and the gospel. Wow. You mean it's all about Jesus, Pastor? Yes. When we realize this, and I'm getting ahead of myself, when we realize this, we'll stop chasing personalities. We'll stop trying to be like something God never created us to be. David, I love David because Saul tried to dress him in his clothes, and David's like, man, I can't go out wearing this. (laughs) I haven't tested this. It's okay to be you. Stop trying to be a cheap imitation of somebody else. He designed you specifically for a purpose. Say, I'm created created. for a purpose. purpose. Now say it like you believe it. Say, I'm created created. for a purpose. purpose. You don't have to copy anybody or anything because God needs you to be you so you can reach who he wants you to reach. I don't know who that was for. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't speak to you as to spiritual people, I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk and not solid food because you were not ready for anything stronger and you're still not ready. For you're still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another. Not in this church. Not in my family. How many of you have ever been jealous of somebody? <laughs> like, man... 
Sometimes, you know, sometimes you look at stuff and be honest. You'd be like, man, I wish I had that. And then if you think on it long enough, then you get mad. And, and it changes from I wish I had that to God, why didn't you give me that? And your anger becomes bitterness because they got the man or the woman before you did. Let me provoke you a little bit more. They got the ring before you did. Sometimes we got to realize God is protecting us by keeping us in his own timing. If you get something too soon, it won't be a blessing. You know how I know this? Because some of us got stuff, and when we got it, we didn't want it anymore. Some of us got them, and when we got them, we, never mind. Never mind. I don't want this to get too heavy. You're jealous of one another and you quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you're controlled by your sinful nature? You ever, some people are just generally argumentative <laughs> all the time. And that means when, whenever somebody always has to be in the midst of a strife, in the midst of an argument, in the midst of a struggle, they are carnal. They're controlled by their, their own nature. Sometimes you can't, you can't be where everything bothers you. So we as believers must be spirit-led, not flesh-controlled. <laughs> How do you know if you're being controlled by your flesh? How do you react to certain things? That's the easiest way to know. Because let me tell you something. I don't want to just talk to like married people or anything, but anybody who's got a friend, if you have a friend for any amount of time, or you have a, a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a spouse, or whatever, let me tell you something. If they've been around you long enough, they know where to poke you. You know it's true. You're just scared to say it because they sit next to you. But they know that spot to poke you, to get you. And, and, and it's funny because if it's a woman, you know, they'll poke you and then dare you to say something. <laughs> Y'all know it's true. And you bet not say nothing. <laughs> but you'll find out real quick if you're controlled by your spirit or you're controlled by your flesh. We're controlled by our spirit. We know how to humble ourselves. Sometimes we, gotta, sometimes we just got to take being wrong. Yeah, they didn't say it right, but what was the heart behind it? Right? They didn't do it right. They didn't do what we thought they should do. And so a lot of times we get upset because people didn't do what we thought they should do, but we didn't ask, well, what was the heart behind it? Did they mean well? Did, did, sometimes everybody, everybody who says something wrong to you or does something wrong to you, it doesn't mean they intended to do it. You know, some, sometimes they just didn't know. They, they didn't know that... They've been, they've been given permission to speak that way their whole life. So when they come to you, they think it's okay. Say this, I will, I will. try to see the good and the best in people. When I look at somebody, I'm not looking at who you are. I'm looking at who God wants you to be. This is important because you, you'll be more aggressive about reaching people and, and seeing people grow in their walk with the Lord when you can look past where they are right now. And our problem is we get so hung up on where a person is that we forgot that we were there one day. We wasn't all, some of us weren't born saved. You know, people say, well, I came out the hospital saying Jesus. No, you didn't. 
Somebody had to teach you too, you know what I mean? So, so when you see somebody else who's maybe they, they're slower in their growth or they haven't, they haven't fully matured yet, we got to see where God is taking them. And we got to say, God, do I have a part in the process in helping them get where they want to be? Because if I can see somebody and I can help push them towards their purpose, I want to do it every time. I want to be part of that. It's just, it doesn't always have to be. How many, how many honestly say it's okay to celebrate other people? Man, the church will flourish. The body of Christ will grow like never before when we don't have a problem celebrating somebody else's blessing. Man, if somebody gets healed, the whole church ought to be celebrating. If somebody gets their breakthrough, everybody ought to be celebrating. If somebody gets their, their home or they get off the street from being homeless, we all ought to be celebrating. That's, you know, it's not about why. Because we rejoice with those who rejoice. And when you hurt, I need to hurt like you hurt. Right? I know that's hard. I, I need, but because it requires me to actually get to know you. So when you have pain, I ought to be able to feel it. And, and even though maybe I may not be able to fix it, I ought to be able to cry with you and pray with you and tell you you're going to make it and, and keep on going. That's what a family does. Aren't you living like people of the world when one of you says, I'm a Paul. Another says, I'm follow, I follow Apollos. Aren't you acting like just people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are all only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work that the Lord gave us. God did not create us to pursue personalities, but to pursue purpose. We must be content with the work that God has given us instead of being trapped by comparison. Comparison is killing some of us. It's killing us slowly every day, stealing joy every day. When am I going to get what they have? When am I going to have as many as they have? When am I going to have people patting me on the back and celebrate me like they celebrate them? Stop. Stop. It's better to have the one that God has for you than the crowd that he doesn't. I'd rather have one person have my back than have to worry about whether 20 don't. Come on. Some of y'all need all these people around you, yet when they get around you, you can't even trust them. I don't need somebody around me that's criticizing me behind my back and talking about me. You know what I need? You know, here's the reality. I need, if I'm weak, I need somebody who's going to cover me, not exploit me. Are we being real today? Them the kind of friends you need. You don't need a friend that, I know my own weaknesses. I don't need you to point them out. I need somebody to help me cover them. And get healed. Amen? All right, I'm almost finished. I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. You, me, we can't make anything grow in our life. That needs to set us free. Because some of us are stressed out trying to make it happen. Do I have any people trying to make it happen? Be real. I've been trying to make it happen. I'm tired because I've been trying to make it happen. This is not working. That is not working. I'm trying something else. I got to make it happen. I got to hustle. I got to make it happen. Stop and just be obedient. Do what God told you to do. And he will make it grow. It's not important who does the planting. Let me, I almost get myself. It is always God who causes the growth. There we go. Write it down. Take a picture of it. We'll move. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is God makes the seed grow. So here's the principle. 
we must be okay with our place and part in the process. For a long time, people looked at preaching and singing, and they thought that was all ministry was. But the reality is, it's just a part of it. It takes the people you don't see going and praying, doing prayer walks and witnessing. It takes the people that are hanging signs and, and, and hanging things on a regular basis, people who are serving that you never see on a stage. But all of us together have to be okay with our part in the process because none of us are making it grow. It's only God. And in your own life, whatever it is he's, he's put in your heart, whatever it is he's put in your mind, whatever dream or vision that he's given you, watch this, it's not you that's going to make it happen. That'll frustrate some people and free other people. Because it means, all right, God, if you tell me to take my hands off of it, I need to take my hands off of it. And let you do what you do. Say, God can do it and fix it a whole lot better than I can. Let me quote my grandmother another time. Shannon, sometimes you got to leave them in the hands of the Lord. Isn't that true, though? Sometimes you have to come to a place where you have no choice but to leave it in God's hands. In my hands, it's not working. Here you go, God. Here's my relationship. Here's my job. Here's my gifts. Here's my talent. Here's my church. Here's my ministry. Here's my dreams. Here's my vision. Here's my desires. Lord, I lay it at your feet. Have your way. That's the fastest route to a turnaround you can ever take. We're almost finished. Is he one of those preachers that always says we're almost done just to trick us? <laughs> We all believe, we all, we all actually believe we're almost done, but I believe I'll be getting the sign if I don't move this along. We must be okay with our part in the process. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. There won't be any jealousy when we realize that we have, that we haven't different, we don't have, Nantis, I wrote this wrong, y'all forgive me. That we don't have, we have different assignments and callings, but we have the same purpose. Here's the bottom line. We all do different things, but we should all be pursuing the same thing. And that means I can be okay when I don't have your gift. No, Pastor, don't, don't, you probably shouldn't sing. You got Brother Desmond for that. <laughs> and I got to be okay with that because he uses us in different ways. And both will be rewarded for their own work. For we are both God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. The building will never be more important than the foundation. Take me to my last point. This is the one thing I want to leave you with. Everything that you do for God must survive the test. Raise your hand if you've been tested. Raise your hand if you've been tested this week. All right, you can put it now. Even though it didn't feel good, it's a great place to be. Because being tested says that God 
can trust what he put inside of you. He can trust what he put inside of you, too. Man, y'all ready to worship? Did you receive anything from that message today? Here's what I want you to do. Stand to your feet, and I want you to, to get in your mind and get in your heart that thing that you are trusting God for, that you're believing God for. I just want you to think about it for a minute. Just for a minute. If you need healing, think about it for a minute. We've been doing this past couple of weeks. We, it's important to look what you're praying about and look what you're facing and look the lies that the enemy is telling you, to look them in the eye and, and, and just remind them that your problem may be big, but they'll never be bigger than your God. So I want you to keep that in your mind and in your heart. And then what I want you to do is I don't want you to dwell on it. I don't want you to wonder how it's going to work out. I don't want you to, to try and figure out how God is going to do it. All I want you to do is raise a hallelujah. All I want you to do is praise God. And if you will give him, I want you to go hard in these next few minutes and just go hard in your worship, go hard in, in your praise with this song. And watch God is going to begin to deal with you even as you sing this song. And then I'll come back and pray and bless you and we'll be out of here. All right, let's, let's do it.